What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Shieldbreaker Society. I know it's been a long time, but Daddy's back. And I, I mean that for real this time. Uh, for a long time, I've been joking around calling myself Daddy. But um, the reason I was off so long is my beautiful co-host, Karen, and I uh, recently had a child. Um, Tucker, born incredibly healthy, about four months old now. Um, born right around the time I stopped podcasting uh, we just had other things going on that on top of we recently got married so there's no more karen fisher it's just karen murphy now uh she will not be joining us today uh, this is just a brief intro before i go over to a pre-recorded uh segment i did with michael bright last night so you'll be receiving this on the what is it the tuesday the 20th i only know that because the open call of duty beta comes out september 22nd and uh I'm pre-ordered. You guys should be too. This game is looking phenomenal. So for all you airsofters out there that uh, maybe don't have as much time to get out and play right now or you need your fix with a week, this this is going to be the game for you. It looks incredible. Um, I'm definitely in that group of people that hates the yearly Call of Duties um, and they're just not what they used to be. But um, I think all of us can agree the last Modern Warfare was a spectacular game. Um, the other two after it sucked ish they're okay actually i played them but they, they weren't what modern warfare is so get in on that but this is not a modern warfare podcast this is a airsoft podcast and i really just want to take this time to uh not necessarily apologize for the absence um just because i was busy i got shit to do you know this is a for fun thing but on the other hand of that we do have sponsors here at the show uh, so I just want to take a moment to thank our amazing sponsors for the show and the people that are really out there in the Airsoft community humping away, making sure that Airsoft stays safe. Um, you'll, you'll see the theme of today is what we as players need to do to save the Airsoft community. So starting off, we have Force Recon Milson Productions. Um, these guys, obviously, I am a probing member of these teams. Uh, can't wait to get on officially. And uh, also Daybreak coming up. Two weeks from now? So we have Helly's Customs. He's the guy that uh, I do all my tech work from. And all links for everything will be in the comment section down below. We got Action Airsoft Canada. We also have WI Productions, ELR Airsoft, DMZ Paintball and Airsoft, and Nificing Airsoft. Um, that's all the sponsors, guys. I really, you'll hear later on in the episode, I, I talked about how I really wanted more time to put this together, but. We are at a crucial point. Um, so I really was put in a situation. It, it was the day after my wedding. I'm sorry, two days after my wedding. Uh, some information came out. And oh, I forgot to mute my computer stuff. That's all right. I'm not going to start all over. Um, I was put in a position where some new information came out. And Michael Bright had posted about how little time we actually have as a group to save Airsoft. Um, and that was all it took for me to say, okay, you know what, I'm, I'm actually not doing anything right now. There's no reason I can't hop on, um, record a podcast because I think that a lot of us that do have podcasts and shows or big teams kind of don't focus on how much it is our responsibility to push this information out there. I think a lot of us, me included, sometimes focus more on the, the benefits of being a voice in the community rather than the responsibilities of being a voice in the community. Um, so as much as I'd love to do a fun little drinking episode talking to my buddies about stuff, uh, this is really more of a serious episode uh, where hopefully the listeners 
I know all of you will not take this information and, and use it correctly, but I, I hope at least a percentage of you do. Uh, Airsoft is in danger right now. We, we've, not all of us, but some of us have sat idly while others fought for Airsoft over the last couple years. Um, and, and now's our time to really all put in effort together. We really have to unify on this one or in the next m- couple months, we're not going to have an Airsoft anymore, um, which as much as much as it sucks for the everyday player, there's people's livelihood at stake. Um, it's not just a game to some people. To some people, it is a business. So I do hate to come back on such a serious note. I really would have liked to ease into it and, and take my time and create something that I'm uh, very happy with. I, I've been talking about making a new intro for this show for <laughs> since I started the show. Um, but uh, luckily... After this, hopefully I'll get back into the groove of creating content and doing all that stuff. Um, as some of you listeners might understand, uh, uh, being a new father is, is uh, different. Uh, it really changes your time schedule completely. What used to be getting home from work, fooling around with my girlfriend, uh, and I did not mean in that way, but I guess kind of in that way too, um, and then spending whatever time I wanted in the evening doing whatever I wanted. So it was like I could podcast, I could play games, I could this. Now you get home from work, you know, you work a 10-hour day, 11, 12-hour day, depending on how the day goes. Um, I personally work in utility construction, so it's it's one of those things you, you don't know how long you're going to work for. Um, you get home, you have to split those precious, let's say, four to five hours, uh, waking hours, uh, between a relationship, a child, and yourself. So I'm definitely going to do this as I can, and I'm going to put in the effort where I can, but... Um, yeah, this, this is my saying I'm going to start putting in that effort as much as I can right now. So thank you very much, everyone who has tuned back in again. Um, and I just really wanted to say, and I do say it in the start of the episode, do not solely listen to this podcast. There will be links provided for you to look at your own information and, and gather your own thoughts. Too many people just take content they hear and then use it as their own information um, which is not something to do if you, especially if you hear from me. I'm a reputable source when it comes to getting people to say things they know, but it is very rare that I have a hundred percent understanding of um, certain things. Like I won't go out of my way to talk about something I don't know about. Um, so I do like to make sure that you guys look up your own information. That's parl.ca. There'll be links and everything like that. But thanks again, guys. We're gonna hop right into it because I, I don't want to waste any more time before I get this content to you. I do just want to. Briefly, not even really apologize, but if this episode seems a little bit rushed, it's 100% because it is. Uh, This was not the goal. It's just, it's come up, and I feel like it is my personal duty to do what I can to help the community. And uh, I hope you all appreciate that and realize that it's your responsibility too. So thanks, guys. Have a great fucking day. Michael Bright, what's going on, buddy? Lots of stuff going on. It's been a busy summer. Lots of C twenty one stuff. Lots of Aerosoft stuff. It's good it, times. It has been far too long since we have seen each other. It has been a while. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've had a lot of new stuff going on in your life, right? So it's been a very busy year, um, as I'm sure I might have said in the intro. I don't know. We're doing. We're recording this before I do the intro, uh, but I had a child this year um, with another co the co host Karen. Um, I almost called her Karen Fisher, but that is also officially Karen Murphy. We uh, we also got married this wife year. Wife now, right? She's wife. <laughs> wifed up. So that was also a long time coming. But um, I'll tell you, like, 
I thought I was busy before, but planning a wedding and having a child was the busiest thing I could have done. And doing them at the exact same time was just wild. <coughs> yeah, it, uh, it really just, it really took a lot out of both of us. And then on top of that, also, I was really focusing on rugby a lot this year. Um, also working on my own personal fitness and whatnot. Uh, drop some weight, put on some size and whatnot. But uh, what about you, buddy? You're looking really healthy right now. I've been having this for me has been a bad year. As you we talked before, I, I struggle with my weight. Yeah. And um, this year has been like every time I start to get ahead, something happens. So like I caught COVID and that screwed oh. shit up. And it took, man, it took me like a good three or four months to like get past the damage that did. Like I was rucking. Mm-hmm. You know, that's my main my main thing and like i'd be getting towards like the three-quarter mark of the on my rock and crashing mm-hmm. hard um post-covid it took a long time to get past that and i just got past that and then i picked up shingles nice and um man like i didn't know a whole lot about shingles before but like it's horrible and i had it like the worst thing is like on your face so like this whole side of my face was all covered in blisters and mm-hmm. stuff and um that kicked the crap out of me and then there's a as a bonus when you have that there's an increased risk of stroke that follows it so i had to pare back some of the stuff i was doing so like in addition to not exercising much for a bit i was taking medication for it that caused massive weight gain so i popped on like 20 pounds out of nowhere it was great so that, now i have i'm great. looking at it positively now i have this challenge of looking the weight off as fast as i can right? well exactly that was that was the challenge you know you, you had you waited too long to do it the first time now you get to do it faster the second time Get back yeah. on the horse. I, uh, I've i actually been doing quite a bit of research about shingles and stuff like that in the past while because I, I know you and I know another friend that got it. And um, I didn't get chicken pox as a kid, and I hear that's the number one thing. That, like, if you don't get chicken pox, you can get it as an adult kind of thing. It's it's um it's just still the same virus. It just sits dormant in your system for years. Then if you get worn down or stressed or whatever, which I was, it pops up. And... Um, I mean, if you catch it early, they can put you on medications that make it less bad. But I didn't know what it was until I started getting these blisters on my face. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I better go see my doctor. And by then, it's too late, right? Shit's already underway, so. Oh, worn down or stressed. I am at risk all the time. Yeah. Well, actually, I guess I guess not anymore. All the big things are behind us. Uh, like, the planning wedding right now is incredibly hard. Uh, especially, like, we were trying to... I really wanted to get a place in Microsoft this year, but it was like every weekend that I thought I might be able to get away or every long weekend, it was, all right, well, we better go book the caterer and we better go book a DJ. We better go do this and that and that. And it's like, I don't think I'm going to get out to play Airsoft anymore this year. But luckily, now that that's over, um, I think I might try and see if there's any room for me to get in for Deadfall this year. I know it, it'll probably be a bit of bit of a push because i know you got is really restricted numbers but i think i might know a guy or two that might be able to get me in <laughs> you might have some contacts i might have some contacts uh yeah. i am however going to be at uh force recon's daybreak um that was going to be a tight squeeze but i'm definitely getting up there getting in you're going to be a commander for that um we won't focus too much on that this episode and we'll try and get another episode in beforehand to uh really talk about that and i know you've been doing some amazing things in the airsoft community but we really want to focus mainly on bill c21 today um and i guess we'll kind of hop right into it but one thing well one thing i actually i've been doing this in a while and i forgot uh to breathe while i talk i'll be an honest guy i'll be i'll be honest i'm always above board i'm a little nervous it feels good to be sitting back down here talking to a guest uh 
and it's weird when you're just like talking to a computer screen. You're like, you don't really know how fast to talk it, when to breathe. So I'm going to have a, a little whiskey and then I'm going to drop some knowledge on the listeners for a sec. The whiskey of the podcast today is just a little bit of Royal Reserve, nice little cheap Canadian whiskey. Um, but one thing I was doing before we started, uh, Michael and I started talking here, is I was doing a little bit of research myself on Bill C-21. Because I feel like mainly in the community, a lot of people are only going off of things they hear or hear through someone else that heard through someone else. And obviously, uh, Bacon, Michael Bright, has been an amazing member of the community in getting information out there for us, as well as uh, many other individuals that are so involved with saving airsoft.ca is the website, I believe. Um, so first and foremost, for anybody listening, don't just take anything that you hear uh, as the only information and just move forward and use that as your entire draw to everything. Go out of your way to make your own research and your own decisions based on things you hear here. Um, but you do have definitely the best source to hear it from by listening to this podcast right now. Um, so mainly there is savingairsoft.ca is Michael Bright and uh, colleagues' website um, that will have a lot of information on this. But what I've recently found is, well, I just went to Google and typed in Bill C-21 and I found parl.ca, that's P-A-R-L.ca. Um, and you can look up different uh different legislation info going on and you can find c21 44th par parliament first session when it took place you can go to the first and second readings and actually click on it and if you click on say the second readings you can go to what's sitting say let's say sitting 85 and i can't see my screen right now but you'll know roughly what i'm talking about and by scrolling through that you can see what speakers were saying what you can go to major speeches major points and scroll through it and actually have an idea of what else is being talked about um, so that way when people are discussing bill c21 you know a little bit more than just well i heard the airsoft guys say this is what bill c21 is um, and you can really i'm just here to help you sound smarter when you talk to your friends so so that's what it is um, and I will now let Michael get into it a bit, but I just really wanted the, the viewers to know that things I'm saying, I know, other than what I've started reading and talking to Michael, um, I know next to nothing about this. I have been completely, almost completely uninvolved in Airsoft this year, um, just like you've talked about, I've had my own personal stuff going on. But I, I like to be really transparent with you guys and let you know that if I don't know what I'm talking about, I'll tell you and where I'm getting the information from. So that way, hopefully that transfers into the community and you you get less people just going around saying like they know what they're talking about because they heard it somewhere else but uh michael why don't you take over from here so i'll just start kind of at the beginning of what's going on so c21 contains a bunch of stuff about firearms and then it contains um stuff about airsoft and so the airsoft part of it is that airsoft is legal in canada because it exists in a sort of loophole um called an unregistered or uncontrolled firearm, which is basically something that looks like a real gun, but fires a projectile above the 365 FPS mark with enough um, power to damage, they call it a pig's eye test. They actually shoot it at a pig's eye to see if it will cause damage, right? So it's it's above that 365 FPS and below 500 FPS and 5.7 joules. That's an uncontrolled firearm. And so you're allowed to own those, you're allowed to sell them, transport them, transport them. They don't really have any real there aren't the same kind of restrictions on them that there are with real firearms, right? And so C21 seeks to close that. 
that opening. So the 365 FPS becomes irrelevant. Anything below 500 FPS, 5.7 that looks like a real gun becomes restricted or prohibited. And anything above that, again, prohibited or is a real firearm. Um, so that's the problem. And so the wording is what, what they're saying is that you'd be allowed to keep the airsoft guns that you have currently, but you could no longer transfer them. So like if I had one, I couldn't give it to you. Um, you can't import them or sell them. So they're just what we have is what we have. So obviously all the shops at that point are done. And when these guns break, because as you, you know very well, like they're not like a real gun, they're not that durable. We can't replace them. Um, we should, in theory, be able to get parts in, but we've seen the CPSA be fairly capricious about what it does and doesn't allow in. Like, I had a guy contact me a couple weeks ago. The CBSA had seized his shipment of 20,000 BBs because they were ammunition for a prohibited device. Hmm. Plastic BBs, right? Yeah. Which they're not supposed to be doing. He managed to get them to release it, but that shouldn't be happening in the first place. So, basically, you know, it just shuts Airsoft down. So, what's happened is the bill's had its first and second reading and it's it's going to committee so the parliament's been in recess for the summer um, next week they're going back into session and the secu the security committee is going to meet and that's 12 mps split between um, the liberals and the other parties and they're going to um, discuss the bill discuss possible amendments and listen to um, witnesses talk about what's good or bad in the bill what should be changed why it should be kept the same etc so that kind of stuff and so that's where we're at at this moment. We're waiting for the committee phase to officially start. Um, once it goes through committee, it will go to the Senate. I've seen some people say, well, it still has to pass the Senate. It'll pass the Senate. The Senate is a rubber stamp at this point. And once that happens, it goes back to the Parliament for a vote, and then it goes into law. So the last real opportunity for us to make a meaningful impact on this is the committee phase. So this is why what's about what's happening right now is very important. So. There's a few things that people should keep in mind here. I've heard people tell me that, well, we're going to have another snap election and that'll kill the bill like last time. There's no real sign that's going to happen and doesn't make any political sense for the Liberals to do it right now. Um, we might potentially see one after C-21 gets passed. That politically would make a bit of sense because the whole purpose of C-21, if you get right down to the meat and potatoes of it, is to allow the Liberals to force the Conservatives, in particular Pierre Polivare, to say stuff like, if I'm elected, I'll undo what the Liberals have done. And then that allows Liberals to say to the average Canadian, who knows very little about firearms and airsoft, well, if you elect Polivare, he will put fully automatic, belt-fed chain guns back mm. in the hands of Canadians and back on Canadian streets. And all of us who are in the community know that's not true, but that's how they'll sell it. And that's good for them in terms of getting votes and scaring people away. So that's the whole purpose of C-21 right. in all reality, right? Um, but I don't think we're going to see that either. I think we're going to be waiting another two to three years before we see another election, which means we'd have two to three years of airsoft being essentially underground in Canada. And then if the conservatives are elected and they decided to undo what was done, we might be able to start rebuilding again, but it would put us back years because the businesses would be gone at that point. Right. Yeah. No business uh, all the would fields. survive that. Yeah. Nothing would be left. Right. We'd have private fields and that would be it. Um, so we can't count an election. Um, we, this time around, uh, there are lobbyists working on behalf of Airsoft. Um, some of the Canadian businesses have hired a lobbyist and some uh, international businesses have hired lobbyists. And uh, ASIC has actually connected those groups together and had useful discussions and coordination between them. And so we're getting a lot more intelligence this time about what's happening at, at the government level. And 
what is apparent is that um, one, the first time around, it appeared that airsoft was accidentally targeted. They knew about the airsoft guns and they were concerned about the police encountering them, but they knew nothing about us. And we corrected that last time and they, they learned quite a bit about us. And we didn't think that they were going to include airsoft again, but then it's reappeared. And so we're told now that there, there is someone in government who has a concern about this and that's why it's there. Um, we're probably not going to be able to get it removed from the bill at all. So the battle right now is to get amendments to C21 that will address some of the concerns that, that the liberals have. And the primary concern is the, the problem of police officers encountering someone on the street with an airsoft gun, not being able to identify what that is and shooting them. That's, that's the concern, mm. right? So we need to find amendments that would help address this while minimally impacting the community. And we need to get enough political clout built up to force that to happen. Right. Um, we're not in a position right now where we can force liberals to do anything. We may be able to get enough support between the other three parties to force an amendment, but we can't 100% count on that. So what that means is we need to be meaningfully engaging with the liberals at this point. Okay. And that brings us to, to, to today. Well, so this will be, we're recording this on Friday. Um, ASIC released a video from the president of ASIC, uh, Sean Arbuthnot, talking about the need to, uh, what, it's not Friday, it's Monday, sorry. Um, I feel, the it need feels to, like Friday. Yeah, nah, I've lost track of the dates, it's all the same. Um, anyway, he was talking about the need to contact your MP, and so that's why this is essential. What we need is we need every single airsofter to message their MP. And we're putting up uh, documents and information on how to do that. I'm going to have a series of videos this week talking about different approaches. But the main one we want you to take at this point is we want you to call your MP's office and ask for a meeting. And they're going to tell you you need to send an email asking for a meeting, telling what you want to talk about and, and who you are and if you're a member of that uh, MP's riding, or if you, if you live in that riding. And so we'll, we have a, uh, a form email that you can use, right, you fill out. Send that in and you're going to be asking for specific things. And the specific thing you're looking for is to get your MP to send a letter to the public safety minister, the justice minister, and the members of the SECU asking them to consult with Airsoft to find a suitable amendment to protect the sport in Canada. Mm. Um, given that they're about to go back into sitting, they're probably not going to be able to grant a meeting, but we're hoping that they will talk to you at least and send that letter off. Even if they don't, if every airsofter in Canada, and there are 30,000 of us, reaches out to their MPs over the next week, that will have a huge impact politically because every MP will be talking about all these people, contacting them about airsoft. And politicians ultimately are really concerned about votes. So when they see that kind of outpouring, it, it indicates that they might have a potential problem, right? Mm. So again, we need everybody to do this. And when you talk to them, one of the things you need to make clear, well, two things you need to make clear is this. One, um, airsofters are not uh, a homogenous group. Um, we come from all different parts of the political spectrum. So some of the people, a pretty large number of the people that are being hurt by this are liberal voters, mm -hmm. right? Or intend, inclined a lot to vote for like liberals or NDP or bloc, right? And so they're costing themselves vote. And then the second point is that we're an organized community. And, and if we aren't able to get an amendment that protects our sport, our response to that is going to be at the next election, we'll organize and um, we will help campaign for whichever parties are interested in helping Airsoft. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people have never been involved in a federal 
campaign in terms of supporting a candidate, but they don't have huge numbers of volunteers. They maybe have 25 to 30 volunteers typically. Um, there are 25 people all told on my team. There's how many guys in Force Recon now? Like 12, 14, something like that? Yeah, it, it varies uh, active members around that, like 11 to 13 members. Right, so like just an individual team is enough to have a major impact in, in a riding if they all showed up for a couple of weekends and helped campaign mm -hmm. for it, right? And potentially we could turn out, if we targeted specific ridings, we could turn out hundreds of airsofters to help campaign in them, mm -hmm. you know, possibly thousands. And we could do that across all of Canada. So you need to make that, you know, apparent to them mm -hmm. because then they see political risk to this. Um, the other thing is, the good thing about airsoft is that if you talk to most liberals and you explain to them what airsoft is, um, how positive it is, how diverse the community is, how safe it is, how little public safety risk it actually poses, they will, generally speaking, agree with you. Like, unless you're talking to one of the people who are, like, very, very ideological about guns, where they, they think that all guns are bad, and that's not most of them, that's a small number of them, they're more than likely going to agree with you that, that you know, prohibiting it probably isn't the solution. They're going to want something to be done because they can see some public safety risk. And, and to be honest, I think that it would be in our interest at this point to find a way to get something into law that, that mitigates that so we don't keep getting tossed into these bills. Because even if we, let's say we get removed from C-20 run right now, this issue would get revisited in the next year or two anyway, right? It would, it would come back again. So we're better off finding a more permanent solution to it. Um, I know a lot of people won't like hearing that, but that's kind of the reality of our position at this point, right? So that's sort of what we have going on. Um, I don't know if I forgot to cover anything major, but the key message is that like this has to happen right now. There's no mm -hmm. time left. There are literally, as we speak, eight days till they go back into session. Um, all of the intelligence indicates that the liberals are going to push C21 through committee as fast as they possibly can, and that they probably are aiming to have it done by Thanksgiving. Right. So we have until then, not even because we have to have this done before then. Like we have, you know, the next week or so to really make a big impact to get the message across that they need to do, they need to talk to us and do something. And, and I believe that if we get their attention adequately, that they'll do that. Yeah. Um, I met with my liberal MP a couple weeks ago and had about an hour long discussion with her and one of her aides and it was very positive. She didn't know much about us to begin with. Um, she asked a lot of questions, um, but she did agree to send a letter to, to the justice minister and the safety minister and the secu for us. Um, she could see where the concerns we had were and, and agree that there should be something done to address that. And we've had multiple other liberal MPs do the same. So, you know, yeah. The opportunity is there. We just have to take it. Yeah, exactly. And that's why uh, today specifically, uh, and actually over the weekend when I had read some of the things you were posting and what had con come from Sean, um, another guy actually I really have to get on the podcast. I've been talking to him a lot about that. Um, as soon as I had saw that and I had a moment of free time, and as, as, as soon as I saw how, how soon everything was going to happen, I was like, all right, it's my first day off after all this planning. Daddy's coming out of retirement. We're getting a podcast going. I messaged you first thing this morning. I was like, hey, let's do this. Um, I didn't realize how few, how little time I had. And I had suggested like later on the week, like that won't work. I was like, okay, tonight. We're doing this tonight. We'll just, I'll get everything set back up and we'll do it. Um, am I, I'm going to upset a certain demographic of Airsoft players by saying this. Um, but a majority of you will very much agree. The amount of effort that some airsofters in Canada put in and go through to be cool guys 
and play with their gear and watch movies and have all their gear completely matching a certain operator and stuff like that and go to these games that last you know 24 to 48 to some 72 hour games um, and play every single weekend the amount of effort these guys put in if you would also focus on the uh, sport as a whole instead of just how do I look do I look cool do people think I'm cool do people think I sound cool and you took 10 minutes of that time to half an hour of that time and put it into realizing that that effort in what Michael Bright's talking about could potentially save the sport and give you years more of enjoyment out of it. Um, I, I think you just really need to focus now on the community as a whole. There's a lot of big, not big names, there's, there's no one wildly famous in Ontario Airsoft, but there are some big names internally that could have a lot of sway and get everyone pushing towards the same objective, but there's a lot of pride and partialism going on to to not all unify and push this problem so i think we all just need to realize we need to be getting all of our viewers all of our everything aiming towards the same goal and putting an effort towards this because no matter what your little podcast is or your live show is or whatever that is it won't matter in a year or two if we don't all work together to get this going i i hope you will matter in a month yeah yeah exactly <laughs> Unless you start running some underground pirate airsoft radio, which I 100% fucking will. <laughs> um, but we all just really need to take that effort. We'll spend days and weeks, you know, prepping for games and doing all this stuff and hours and whatnot, sitting in shitty puddles just to pretend we're cool operators. Take 10, 15 minutes and be an active citizen and player of the sport and just do the things you need to do to be part of this. That's my, my part. There are going to be some people sitting there being like, that fucking guy's talking about me. And you're right, I am. So, anyways, that's my part on that. So what we need is we need, well, there's a series of things. So basically, here's my thing. If you're a captain of an airsoft team in Canada, then you should be making sure the discussion within your airsoft group for the next couple of weeks, especially this week, is about have you contacted your MP yet? Have you done that? What have you done? Check back when, you, when, you, when you've when you done it. Encourage everyone else to do it. If you run a group in Canada, your effort for the next week or so should be getting as many members of your group to contact their MPs as possible. If you run a podcast, then your effort for the next little while should be on getting as many people as possible to contact their MPs. You, right. you see the, the trend here? Yeah. All of us need to work on this. And it's not about the big guys or the big names in the community doing this. It's about everybody who plays any role in this community where you have the ability to organize others, then this is now your responsibility. This is what you need to do, mm -hmm. right? And it's not hard, right? So if you want, I can talk through the whole process about like yeah. how you can go about contacting your MP. Right? Absolutely. That's my main goal with this show other than the ones where it's like fuck around drinking episodes is to bring people on that know more about me than I do to talk about things that they know about. Because if I was just sit here and talk about things I know about, shows would be super short. <laughs> so So please do guide us through that send some links you can post up with this and also like if you can go to um, savingairsoft.ca or airsoft in canada on facebook and you'll find this information there if you're in one of the groups where we've posted the video that sean's talking about or any of the videos that i'm going to be posting this week you'll find these links so the first thing is you need to find out who your mp is and most people i've talked to don't know who their mp is which is kind of surprising to me but that aside it's easy there's a website for the government of canada parl the euro on it if you go to Google and type in, how do I find my MP? 
my member of parliament, it'll bring you to this. And all you have to do is put in your postal code and it tells you who they are, right? So that's your first step, find out who your MP is. Once that's happened, there are multiple ways to get a hold of an MP or to get their attention. Type their name in and member of parliament into Google and you'll find their office, which will have their email, their website, all that information, their phone number. That's your starting point, right? Because your first step is gonna be call and say, hey, I'm a constituent in your area. I'd like to talk to you about Bill C-21, right? Send them the email, we're posting. Like I wrote up an actual form email that you can use just to fill in some information. You can take that, it's very easy, and send it off to them, right? Or you can write your own. Um, and then once you've done that, you need to um, sort of politely put the pressure up. So all MPs now have Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, they're all on social media, right? And almost all of them have them open for comments. So you can go to their pages and you can start dropping comments. And I strongly, I need to strongly emphasize this. When we talk to these people, we need to remember the three R's that I've talked about a lot. We need to be reasonable, rational, and relatable, right? I know you may have, because I do, have a lot of anger about what's going on, but you can't start yelling and swearing at these people. You can't be abusive. You have to be reasonable, rational, and relatable. Hey, I'm an airsoft player. I have a concern about these two, Bill C-21. I'm looking for your help on it. I'm concerned that the Liberal Party isn't that educated about what airsoft is. I'm concerned that the legislation that currently exists is, is heavy-handed and isn't required because airsoft isn't that big of a public safety risk. There's, there's other ways to address this. I'd like to hear from you. I've sent an email to your office. I put a call in. Please comment here. You can do stuff like I did. I made about a five-minute video and posted on my Instagram, and I tagged my MP in it addressing her. And that's what actually got her attention was that she she saw that and, and referenced it when we started talking, right? Um, so you can do stuff like that. It's very straightforward. So ideally, they're going to get your email and either grant you uh, a meeting or they're going to agree to send off a letter that we're talking about. And if that's what happens, then, that, then that's great because that's all we really need is we need to have a lot of them talking about this and a lot of them educated about this, right? The other thing we can do is, and I'll be talking about this on my videos this week, is um, we should be targeting their, their social media. Um, again, polite comments. We don't want to be attacking these folks, but if we can get every airsoft in Canada showing up on Justin Trudeau's Instagram saying, hey, can you do something about airsoft inclusion C21? Can you have them talk to, have the committee talk to the airsoft community and find an amendment? If we're posting that on Mendocino's uh, social media, on all the SECU committee's social media, we even we need to talk to the NDP and the conservatives as well. If we're doing that, if we're making that kind of noise and we're being, you know, intelligent and, and polite and reasonable about it, that will help airsoft tremendously. And like we're all creatures of social media. Like, do you know how many airsofters do you know who don't spend a lot of time on social media? That's all airsoft is. <laughs> That's what it is, right? So take some of that time, take some of that energy, take some of the expertise you built up about social media and and direct it mm -hmm. for just a few minutes a day to making these kind of posts, right? Yeah. And we can build on that. Um, it doesn't just have to be a singular effort. Like I said, if you have a team, right? Like you go into your team chat tonight and say, hey, we're going to, each of you guys find your MP's social media and start making comments and then post the links where you're posting comments and we'll all comment as well, mm -hmm. right? And then it's not just one comment, it's multiple comments. And politicians are sensitive to what's being said about them on social media because that's a lot of how they get elected now, right? So if they're seeing a lot of comments about, hey, we have a concern about what you're doing with Airsoft. We want to talk to you. We want you to consult with us. We'd like to find a, a mutually acceptable solution. That opens the door to get the amendments that we need done, right? Mm -hmm. It's not a lot of effort. 
you know, if you can take 10 minutes a day to do that for the next week, mm-hmm. that could be all it takes to, to win this battle. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Saving Airsoft also has its own Instagram page, right? Or ASC. Yep. Or it yeah, is. we do. I'll, what I'll do is I'll make sure to get you to send me every link that might be useful. Um, and when I post the, uh, like the bio of this episode, which should, as long as everything goes smoothly for me tomorrow, should be getting edited and posted tomorrow. Uh, so if you listen to this, or if you at least make it to this point in the beginning or end, seems a little bit sloppy in the editing, which I'm sure it won't because my post-editing process is pretty pretty simple. Uh, but if it does, it's because this is really an episode that I'm trying to get out there. Um, if it sounds throughout this episode that uh, I started off talking really fast, took me a while to get into the zone, it's because I was. I, I came out of a two-month not podcasting, doing other things straight into this. So uh, I do apologize to the listeners for that. But we're back. Um, so I'll get Michael Bright to send me all of the information that I can that gives you all the links you can. Uh, I will be mainly posting it in the um, um, Ontario Airsoft Facebook page. That's where a lot of us go for a lot of our information. So that's where the link will be paid. I'm not really using my own Shieldbreaker Instagram anymore because why would I use that when I can use Force Recons? It just makes way more sense. <laughs> I've, I've had a couple people like, oh, like, there's nothing being posted on your Instagram. I'm like, why the fuck would I use something with like 70 followers when I can use someone with thousands? Why would I do that? <laughs> uh, so thank you, Force Recon, one of the amazing sponsors of the show. Um, but uh, getting kind of into something you had said about how little time it takes to to put in the effort of this. I think you really you really touched on the fact that it's not just the big members of the community. Like I kind of I had pointed that out, just saying like like people that can organize people to get in and do things. Yeah, but it really does come down to every little player. Like even if you're a player listening right now that goes to the odd walk on and you're just getting into airsoft and you don't know very many people and you don't really have much of a say in your own personal community kind of thing. This is your part to really help save airsoft. Every little, when, when it comes to messaging parliament and doing all that stuff, it doesn't matter if someone with a massive podcast or YouTube channel says something versus just your every average everyday Joe with three kids that plays once every two months just for fun and relieving stress. Like we're all a voting member. Well, all of us adults are all voting members of this province. So everyone needs to take time and do what needs to be done to help save this sport or like mike said in months it's it's gonna be dead can't be right now sorry you your like go either your voice kind of cut out at the start there sorry so we think it's like 50 50 right now we could get the amendment we need or we, they might pass it the way it is and we're done right and there's mm-hmm. no guarantees at this point so this this next week is is critical it has to happen right away so working on to, well, I guess it would be worst case scenario, but what would be some changes we could make to Airsoft that you think would be, uh, would find a common ground or a reasonable way to let Airsoft continue? So there's a whole pile of different things that could happen, and, and it's hard to assess which ones will be, um, will happen or would be acceptable. But I think minimally, we could see something ar- like orange tips. Um, we might see an extension of that where you have to have um, some kind of bright color on the gun elsewhere, like on the stock or on the forend, mm-hmm. um, like you see in California or like you see down like in, the, in um, Portugal does that. Like blue right? tape or... Blue or, or green or something like that, something visible, right? So that's a possibility. Um, you, 
you might have to transport it with like a brightly colored barrel sock on it, for example, so that if the police saw you transporting it, they would know that it was an airsoft gun or likely an airsoft gun. Um, so those are possibilities. Uh, you might uh, see changes to storage and transport laws. So currently the law basically just says you have to transport it responsibly, which means basically out of sight in, 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 a, in a bag or a case, right? So we could see a thing where you have to transport it in a locked hard case. That's a possibility, right? Mm -hmm. um, you might see changes to storage laws at home. You know how we all have it on the, our guns up on like those slat walls and stuff? Like that might go bye-bye. You know, like I'm, not, have them in a... I'm not looking at a slat wall with guns on it right now. <laughs> Absolutely not, right? You might have to have them like in a closet that's locked or a storage container or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Those are possibilities. We might see um, something more. We might see a UCARA-style system. Um, where you have to be basically a member of an airsoft field or club um, in good standing in order to, to own these things. That's a possibility. Um, you know, on the fire, we might see actual licensing occur, mm -hmm. right? I mean, we would prefer to avoid that kind of more intrusive things because it will, uh, well, one, it will, it'll make it harder for people to join the, the community and will slow down the growth. And we don't want to do that. And two, um, the federal government has a history of like enacting a firearms law and then coming back a few years later and enacting another one and another one and slowly chipping away at these things, right? right. And so we prefer to, to take whatever route will most minimally impact us um, while addressing the basic concerns right. and, uh, and try to work to defend that point, right? Um, so at yeah. the moment, one of the things that's trying to, but we're trying to find it with ASIC is like we're talking to the industry about like what do you want to see? What would have the least impact on your industry, on your business? Right? right. Right. I mean, optimally and what we would all like to see is for Airsoft to stay the same it is and not have any real yep. effect on us. But I, I think we do at, at this point after the second reading at the first reading, we were kind of hopeful that maybe we would be able to stay exactly how we are. But I think we all realize that it's not going to stay exactly as it is this, unless the airsoft community really comes together and, and pulls it off for us. Um, but on, on the other hand, if, sorry, if you, like all 30,000 of us this week contacted our MPs and started commenting on their social media and making, making just a huge, a huge amount of noise and presence, right? Um, that might be enough to scare the liberals into saying, Hey, maybe we should just take this out of the bill. I mean, that's a distant possibility, right? Uh, more realistically, we're not in a position where we have a lot of leverage right now. Um, we could be after the next election if everyone organizes a campaign for the parties who support us. Right. Um, that kind of thing could send a message that, that we should be left alone. But we're not there right now. right? So the chances of us being able to force a situation where we just where they don't do anything at all is extremely unlikely at this point. And I know that's going to be frustrating for a lot of people. A lot of people are like, no, you know, no compromise, but we're not there. Right. right. It's either we find a compromise or we cease to exist. Exactly. That's where we're at right now. Um, which is why in the past I, I've said some polarizing things and have been, been told that clearly I don't care about Airsoft uh, because I have pointed out that as Airsofters, we're going to have to find a way to play Airsoft under whatever decisions are made. If it is orange tips, Everyone hates the idea of orange chips, but if it's orange chips, if it's colored guns, if it's this, if it's that, like you said, if it's transferring in locked boxes, we're we're going to have to find a way to play the way the government will let us play. It sucks. It is what it is, and, and why it sucks as much as it does is because 
as much as we all love you to, everyone that plays Airsoft isn't doing the best they can to try and make it stay the way it is. So the rest of us that are doing our part are going to have to realize that we have two options. We, well, really we only have one option as to do what we can to give you guys all the information and hope that you do support it. And then also be willing to play whatever Airsoft's left. There's a lot of people in this community that have almost all outright said that they won't be playing airsoft if it comes down to colored guns and this and that, you know, you might as well go play paintball or all this stuff. But for those of us, so, that, sorry, you go ahead. Sorry. It's the thing you have to consider that this is, so this is potentially the first round of a, of a few in this particular battle, right? So mm -hmm. our goal right now is to get an amendment. So we continue to survive as a community. And so let's say that that's orange tips and maybe, um, locked hard cases for transport right that would be from our perspective a starting point um if that were to pass the community could survive with with relatively little difficulty sure the orange tips would be a pain we'd find a way to deal with them right um, the locked storage like hard cases and stuff for storage that would be a pain but we get we get by right and in truth that kind of thing would probably eliminate a large number of the the potential problems that we see where people are transporting something stupidly right um but we now have multiple provincial airsoft organizations. Um, ASIC is now incorporated as an actual lobby organization. Um, we're going to continue to exist past this. And so the fight would continue and we would work towards whatever the best solution for airsoft was in the long term, right? So provided that we don't just get stamped out here in the next few weeks, um, the battle continues, right? And mm -hmm. we'll start to work towards something that's more acceptable to the community at that point. Mm -hmm. But we only get there if everyone does what they have to do right now and mm. gets involved, right? If we don't, then they'll pass the C21 as is, and that's that's it, right? And then the fight to, to get back from that will be way more difficult. Way difficult, yeah. And the other thing for me personally, um, so I know like there's a lot of people out there that are just airsoft players, stuff like that, and, and don't, don't maybe, maybe don't look at the the side of bill c21 from both sides um i have a lot of really close friends quite quite a few close friends that are in law enforcement that i've talked to about this um actually two of my groomsmen over this past weekend were uh, police officers um and i'm personally not completely against the idea of making a small change to airsoft if it is the lockbox if it ends up we have to do orange tips stuff like that like as much as i'd love it to stay the same i can personally understand it i but also the orange tips would just start people that are trying to do illegal things would just start spray painting their guns on the orange tips anyways like that's not that's not a uh, way to completely fix a problem but i do also have an understanding of the fact that there's in some shitty situations, there's officers that are put in a spot where they have to decipher really quick if a gun is a real gun or if it isn't. And on multiple occasions, an officer has made the wrong choice. But in that time, I also don't personally feel like it is a wrong choice. If you see a person pointing something that very clearly looks like a gun around and, and you're put in a position to make a choice and that's your job, you have to make that choice ASAP. And it's, it's shitty. It happens. And so if keeping airsoft alive would mean to make some sort of visual change to these um, markers, then I, I'm 100% on board and I'll keep playing airsoft no matter what. There's different ways we can, we can take that whole thing apart a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. So, yes, if someone has, um, 
that intense. They could take their airsoft gun with an orange tip and spray paint that tip black or take it off and replace it with something, right? Mm-hmm. But what that orange tip does is it gives the police officer who wins, is put in a position where they have to shoot that person a sort of legal out, mm-hmm. right? Because, I mean, I know they're still going to feel bad about that occurring, right? But at that point, they or their lawyer can say, like, the person took deliberate steps to make the gun look like a real firearm. Right. It's not the officer's fault that they had to shoot them. Right. Right. And and so that's sort of, I think, and I could be wrong about this, but I think that's sort of what the police unions and the, the, the chief of police association, that's what they're looking at is trying to trying to have that kind of system set up. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, as an airsofter, like none of us want to see kids or anyone get shot by mistake because they're out with an airsoft gun. Right. Right. None of us want that. And so if we can take, and, and the community does, like the community is already pretty self-policing. Like you hear it constantly. Don't take your guns out in public, transport them properly, transport them in bags. You know, a lot of the fields, if you show up at the field and your gun isn't in the bag, you're not playing, right? They'll mm-hmm. send you away. If you're someone that is in the community and gets caught transporting stupidly, like you can get, you know, ostracized mm-hmm. from the community, right? Yeah. Um, so had the liberals talked to us beforehand, um, what they probably would have found out is that we're interested in trying to find ways to prevent these kind of bad things from happening. Right. And we could have offered a lot of expertise about the community and the industry about how to best accomplish that. Um, so for us, kind of the best, best case is if we can present to the liberals the idea, like, look, we're not totally against you here. We, you know, we're okay. If we can come, if we could talk and come up with intelligently crafted legislation that helps reduce the risk of this, then we're pretty much on board with that kind of thing, right? Because we'd like as a community to not see bad things like that happen, right? I mean, and that takes a little bit of setup. So one of the things that if you've been paying attention to the firearms part of the debate is that Trudeau has said a number of times, like one death is too many, right? That's Mm -hmm. the justification for why we want to ban firearms. And in Canada, we don't make decisions based on that kind of rationale, right? Mm -hmm. And, And here's what I mean by that. Private pools, private loan pools are very common in Ontario, right? There's a bunch of them around. Every year in Canada, the average is 34 people drown in pools. Most of those people who drown are children. Most of the drownings occur in privately owned pools. You will notice that it's not illegal to have a privately owned pool in Canada at this point, right? Yeah. But we take steps to try to minimize that. We, we craft legislation that requires you to, to limit access to the pools, so you have to have fences around them. We use education to, to make sure people aware of the risk of that. Um, we have programs to try and drown-proof children early on, right? Um, so we don't go like one death is too many we look at what good does this thing cause in terms of having it right and pools have a lot of good for people and we weigh that against the potential risk and we try to minimize the risk and that's all we're asking with airsoft is we're asking them to look at the good that airsoft does right because it does a lot of good for a lot of people Mm -hmm. right and then craft legislation intelligently based on that to try to minimize the perceived risk no, that's a little bit deep for some folks, but that's basically what we're what we're trying to get them to understand is that's what we want. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's the hard part is like a lot of people are looking at it like, like, oh, why is airsoft being dragged into this and stuff like that? And you you have to assume this was a natural progression based off we're playing a sport that is somewhat a simulation of real world military conflict. Like we're we're not playing paint by numbers out there and wondering why we're getting stuck in. A bill like this. This is something that I'm sure any reasonable Ontario airsofter could have looked around at some laws and stuff like that in the rest of the parts of the world and been like, "Oh, okay, this might someday come to our doorstep." 
Um, it's just now we're put being put in a point where we have to take action to do what we can to to keep surviving. We've always recognized as a community that, that the, the biggest problem was going to be that the guns look like real guns, mm. right? Um, and that that was always going to be a concern. And we've tried internally to police that to try to make sure that we weren't causing a problem, mm. right? And so now that is that problem exists, and the government is interested in doing something about it. So now we have to engage with the government and try to craft or try to shape what their response to it is, Yeah. right? And again, like I said, I know there's lots of people who are like, we don't want to, we want them to just leave us alone, but that's not realistic, right? They, they're not going to leave us alone and we don't have the political power to force them to just leave us alone. Yeah. We potentially have the political power to get them to pay attention to us and work with us to try to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of our best case right now is to, is to accomplish that, get them to work with us and try to craft legislation that doesn't destroy the sport and the industry, but addresses the problem to some degree. Exactly. And when it, uh, we were talking a little bit earlier about the transportation and, and possible use of firearm or airsoft, are you, are you allowed to call them rifles now? Like what are, what are we supposed to call airsoft guns right now? Cause guns is a bad word for it in this political landscape. Yeah. So it's, it's hard. So the suggestion that I've seen and I like is, is to call them airsoft blasters. Blasters. Okay. And I like that. That sounds, that sounds good to me. Air, paintball did that with the markers. Markers. Years yeah. Ago. Like when I used to play paintball back in the 90s i was there when paintball went through the transition to what it is now where you know it was like they were banning camouflage they were enforcing safety standards and they're calling these markers and so i think that calling them blasters is a good idea um i still call them guns because that's what most of us are doing but we we probably should try to transition to that yeah especially a lot of the other stuff paintball did sorry yeah, sorry i just mean like especially in um Today any sort of media sense for people like me yeah. or people like other shows going on like what is a great you're a great person to ask and I'm like what is the correct thing to say right now cuz you're everyone's very hesitant to say gun or rifle right I think blaster I've been when I talk to a lot of politicians I refer to them to some degree as toys because we need to kind of make them understand that they're they're not a real firearm right mm -hmm. um, one of the things we saw early on in this debate is that there were um, MPs suggesting these things could be converted to real firearms and that's demonstrably not true. Mm -hmm. um, the the FRT, the Federal Firearms Table, or whatever, it's the table that registers, that the RCP maintained that, that yep. tracks all firearms in Canada and their rating. There's only three airsoft guns that are prohibited because they could be converted easily, and two of those don't exist anymore. Yeah, and the other one, right? it, what, it took like a federal team, the, like the more other than eight one. hours to turn it in or something like that? Yeah, so one of them was... Um, one of them is the new SIG handgun that the TM makes. And what the finding was interesting is that even though the manufacturer has obviously gone to great lengths to try to make sure this can't be converted and it's mostly plastic, we think it possibly could be, mm -hmm. right? Um, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to fire an airsoft gun that had been converted to fire real bullets. I'm pretty confident based on how they're built that it would explode in my hand. But one, it's it's not possible for most designs. AEGs don't lend themselves well to conversion to anything, right? Mm -hmm. They're not they're not a real fireman in any way, shape, or form. Gas blowback are perhaps closer, but again, not one to one, and not constructed of the right materials to withstand the pressures involved. Um, often, when they have been able to convert something, it took a huge amount of work to do so. Mm -hmm. um, and I I would argue that's you know if you have to use like the chief firearms engineer that the RCMP has with a whole lab full of guys and all, all the equipment in, in the world to do that, then that's not easily convertible for most of us, right? right? That's maybe convertible under best case circumstance, but most guns, it's not possible at all. Um, so we, we kind of need to make that point to them that that's not really a concern with this. And if there are individual airsoft blasters that could be converted, the law already exists 
so that the government can ban those specific models on, on a case-by-case basis. Yeah. Right. So you don't need to do, you don't need to prohibit all of them to stop that. You just need to address the ones where it could be an issue and it won't, you know, thousands of models, three have been found to be an issue. Clearly this isn't a big deal. Right. right. I think the, uh, and we existed. Sorry. Oh, so this, this is one of the harder parts of doing uh, through discord is sometimes the delay, but um, yeah. I was just going to touch on the fact of, Maybe from the government's standpoint on this, some of the hard part is saying, "Well, if three could get trans or get turned into, what are the chances that some other ones slip through and are still on the market and and whatnot?" So that's a possibility, right? We we can't completely um, not that I agree rule that out. Well, let's all. consider let let's consider that from a a, a cost benefit sort of position, right? So like prohibiting all of them destroys our sport and our community, and it's it's. I, you know, different numbers I've heard, 100 million, 200, 200 million a year industry. It, it employs thousands of people. There's 30,000 people who enjoy this, right? So you're going to stop all that because a few models might slip through. And that's, you can do that in an environment where the police are saying 90% of the criminal, like the handguns used in crime are imported from the U.S. So clearly getting a real handgun isn't a big deal. And we live in a time and age where like 3D printers and CAD machines and stuff are becoming increasingly common and people can manufacture firearms in their home pretty easily right Mm -hmm. so you know what are we gonna like prohibiting everything based on something might slip through doesn't seem to make much sense to me when you're causing a lot of harm to a pretty good-sized community right no absolutely and um like all the points you're making are, are perfectly clear to a lot of us i'm sure it's just the main thing is just getting people on board to actually start taking action it's it's very hard to mobilize a group of people to do something that is more than just going and enjoying their hobby. Um, so hopefully yep. the listeners of this realize now that it's it's make or break time. It's not a year, two years ago. Was it two years ago? A year ago that everything started coming out? Last year? It was a little over a year ago that the first time ago? this happened, yeah. Yeah, and, and it was everyone's kind of in the mindset of, oh, that's, you know, tomorrow's problem, and it probably won't go through anyways because why would Airsoft get banned kind of thing, and now we're now we're here. And the hard part is there's still some people out there that are making Airsoft look bad a lot with the, the transportation rules. Uh, well, our, you know, the... Canadian transportation rules, but it's far too often that we hear of people just walking around with their rifle. You know, it wasn't too long ago that there was a call for some guy walking with an M4 through a mall, and there's another one, that most recent one, guy was walking, was he walking to his car or just walking through town to take his gun somewhere? So so most of those calls, again, like, they're they're not someone who's intending, they don't have bad intent, they're not trying to cause a problem, Mm -hmm. they're just for whatever reason, don't know they shouldn't be doing that. And I'm always baffled in today's society why anyone would, would like look at an airsoft gun and go like, hey, this is cool. It looks just like a real M4. I should walk down the street with it. Mm-hmm. I don't quite get the logic of that. But that aside, you know, we need to, as a community, work to address those people. And that's where, like I said, legislation that is intelligently crafted could perhaps help us address that, right? right? Because if you went to a store and bought one of these and they said, hey, you need to transport this in a locked case whenever you're out in public, that should set off some alarm bells to people that they need to transport it properly or they'll, mm-hmm. they'll end up in trouble, right? Yeah. Um, and this this might you know, be shitty to say, but it's it's never high-quality people that are doing this uh, for the most part. it's You hear these stories and you check the Facebooks of the people that are doing it, 
And for the most part, you say, yeah, that I don't know this person personally, but I can believe ju- that they would do that kind of thing. And I don't think, I think stores, for the most part, every store that I've been in does a pretty good job of saying, like, don't enter this store with a non, like a non-concealed or like unbagged or anything like that weapon. I think most people, especially in the airsoft communities, do a really good job of saying, like, Put your guns in bags. Do not be walking around. Do not be doing all this stuff. And for the most part, the people doing this are, look, relatively uneducated in what you should do as a person. Like, I, if I was to look at an airsoft page and see, oh, Lucas from Aegis did this, I'd be like, wow, something must have slipped his mind. Like, that's a really upstanding dude. He's a great dude. I can't believe that happened. It's clearly not. He must have done something silly or something like that. But then I see other people, I'm like, no, that makes sense. That person looks like he'd do that. So it's just, we need to also realize that when you're getting into a sport like this, your mentality has to be on the fact that these are things that could be seen as real weapons and cause bodily harm to people, which would strike fear into a uh, a lot of people. So you're not just walking around an airsoft field where everyone knows airsoft guns are fake you're you're walking around seeing little old ladies that have no idea what an airsoft gun is and only knows what a real gun is and doesn't know an airsoft gun from a nerf gun nevertheless so you really have to take that in consideration and maybe just just think outside of your own personal box a little bit i think most of the community can understand that um, what I find when I look at those cases, when we can find a person who was involved, more often than not, it's not someone who was a regular member of the community. It was someone who was kind of on the fringe. And a lot of times they bought the airsoft gun from somebody else who played. And so, like, they maybe didn't get any real education about what was involved mm-hmm. in, in owning these. Right. And, again, like, I can't comment on their position in society, but I, I always wonder about the judgment that, like, leads you to conclude it's okay to just walk around with one of these in the open in public, right? I, I don't, I don't get that logic at all. It's usually the same kind of guy that wears like a 12 inch knife on his hip in his jeans in the grocery store. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's the exact same kind of person. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, sorry, you go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of the, some of the stuff that, you know, as a community we can think about and, and when we talk, when we get our head around, like how we're going to talk to the government about, about legislation and amendments, like that's kind of how the, the stuff we have to consider. Right. Um, Cause again, we're not, there's no indication at this point that they're going to take airsoft out of this bill. And, and I don't believe no one believes that we have any ability to force them to do so at this point. So the game is all about getting amendments made. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the other, and, and getting back to that. Sorry. I was just, while we're kind of talking about that and like the amendments, we kind of talked a little bit about uh, like the policing side of it. I was just going to say um, one thing I had read is a lot of the major concern that some people will say there is, is that, airsoft right uh blasters are being used in crimes but there's really not any real evidence of that what there is is um raids and stuff like that where airsoft blasters i'm, I'm having a hard time getting with that i'll get with eventually are found as well as other weapons and they're kind of just being rolled into they are being used for crime so there's a few things happening there. So one is exactly what you said. I've seen, we've seen multiple incidents where the police report, you know, they'll, they'll show like we, we raided this house to the guy was involved in drug dealing, for example, and we confiscated all these firearms. And then you look at them and one of them is, a, is an airsoft blaster, right? And they're treating that as if it's a crime gun, even though the, the probability exists that the guy wasn't using it for that. He probably was into airsoft to some degree, right? 
Um, the other thing is, we, in, in talking to the police in the community, we do know that they encounter people on the street with these um, intermediate velocity air, air guns, right? So that's airsoft and pellet guns and stuff that look realistic. What we're told is that more often than not, those are like the $50 uh, CO2 177 caliber pistol that you buy at a big box shop, right? Um, and, and the key thing is that the people who are trying to use them for crime, they want whatever the cheapest possible thing they can get is. So if they can spend $50 and get something that will work, that's what they'll do. If they go to a dollar store and they can buy a revolver looking thing and you absolutely can and rip the arm's tip off and paint it and get away with that, that's what they'll do. If they could carve a piece of wood to look like a gun, that's what they would do, right? And so it's going to be hard to stop those people from doing this kind of stuff because they have multiple options for trying to find something that looks like a gun. Um, and then I'm sure you've noticed this in the media once this kicked up, everything that was any kind of air gun that the police encountered suddenly was an airsoft gun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I saw one where it's like they found airsoft darts that this pistol fired. There's no such thing. What they're describing is those 177 caliber darts from like a pump air or a pump air pistol, right? Yeah. Not an airsoft gun. We have to combat that a little bit as well. And that's where education comes in. Um, I've talked to two liberal MPs myself so far. Um, ASIC has had through the lobbyists, a lot of contact or contact with the liberal party and stuff. Um, lack of education about us is, is probably one of the key factors that we find. Um, they just don't know that much about us. Right. And so, in addition to taking the steps of trying to talk and communicate with your MP, it, it's important if you actually get to talk to them to like educate them about the sport and about the community, about what we're dealing with. Right. Mm -hmm. No one is spending, you know, $500 to buy a VFC or, or whatever, $500 to buy a VFC M4 to go rob the local corner store. Right. Mm -hmm. That's just not a thing that they're trying to do. Um, so we have to kind of make that point clear. And, and like I said, we're going to have to get to a position where they'll agree to work with us on legislation so we can protect uh, the sport in the long term. Absolutely. Mike, I think you've made some really great points here. And I think that hopefully anybody listening really takes this to heart. And after listening to this, uh, goes back, looks at the links and, and does what's needed to be done. Um, I have a question I have for you being out of this. Would there be any way to not be too intrusive to make some sort of raffle or giveaway for people that have messaged their uh, member of parliament is there like a way to say send us a screenshot of this that's not like show us your email that you sent them or something like that there's probably a way to do that and i can i can raise it with asic the concern at this point is we have very little time left right it'd be and so quick. the guys that are the guys that run asic also run businesses or and or are full-time, like employed full-time and stuff, and are really, really busy. Right. So it's hard to organize stuff like that. Like today, you know, Sean's video came out, and I got 45 messages from people asking what's going on, mm -hmm. right? And I try to get back to everybody as best I can. Um, but, like, it, it's, a, it's a lot of work. So I've had a lot of people say, well, why not this, why not that? The answer, a lot of times, is just not enough time, right? right? We're, we're doing as much as we can, and the key issue is, you know, like, getting everybody to talk to their MP. If we can arrange something like that, a raffle, that'd be great. Mm -hmm. um, but the big thing right now, like if I was to like, if there's a single message that I want your listeners to take away from this is the moment this podcast ends, go to the site to find out who your MP is. Immediately look up, look them up on Google, copy down the information on their website, all their social media, their email address, and then call and ask for a meeting. And then, when they tell you you need to send the email, 
go to the ASIC page, the Saving Airsoft in Canada, and copy the, the form letter that we prepared, fill that out, and send it off right away. Mm-hmm. And then start going to your MP's social media and making polite, you know, reasonable, rational, relatable comments, asking them to talk to the Airsoft community about this before this bill goes through committee pro- completely. Right? Yeah. That has to happen today. That's that's where we're at now. There is no tomorrow today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and one thing I don't know if any of the listeners this might happen to when I went to the ASC uh, website. Um, for some reason, on my computer, it was telling me that I needed to update my browser, that the website wasn't supported on my browser. And even after I updated my browser, it, it also wouldn't open up for me. But I was able to find it on my phone, um, and it worked perfectly on my phone. Um, so if any of you guys are having that sort of issue like I had, it could be my own personal computer, not happening to anybody else. But just try it from your cell phone as well um, and do what you have to do to get in there. On to, to our website guy um, to see if there's a reason that was happening too, right? Yeah, I because uh, it, it was something that Chrome wasn't supported. I could either download Chrome to view it, and I was like, "Why? Why is Chrome not supported?" But also, I can download Chrome to use it. This makes no sense. But I'm not a tech guy. But anyways, Michael Bright, thank you so much for coming on again. Uh, you have definitely been the most requested and most on guest of this show. Uh, you always have something great to say, and I do have to get you on again real soon to talk about the other amazing things you're doing in actual airsoft instead of the amazing things you're doing outside of airsoft, saving airsoft. Um, but for those anybody listening that wouldn't have caught an hour, if for some reason I don't put it in the intro, uh, Michael, a.k.a. Bacon, is the commander for Greenside for Nightfall this year, Daybreak this year, and the Nightfalls and Daybreaks past. So... You'll be looking forward to seeing him. Uh, is there any spots left for green on Daybreak? I'm trying to fill. Yeah. Oh, sorry, you, you cut out a bit there. Can you say that again? There's a couple spots open right now that I'm trying to fill. Okay. Yep. So if you if you hear this, uh, you can get a hold of me, or you can get a hold of Force Recon directly, or go above and beyond talk to Mike directly. Tell him you uh, you're looking to get involved. Because uh, clearly, as you can tell, Mike's a great guy to play under. Very organized. Um, not the best at winning, but that's okay. <laughs> I just, I had focused to th- on having a good time. I had to throw that in. <laughs> I had to find a way to chirp you. Uh, but thank you. So I haven't, much. I haven't won a single one of those events yet, but people keep coming back to play for me. So I guess I'm doing something. Right. Yeah. And you know what? It's not, uh, I've done my fair share of commanding. Uh, and it, it's, it's great that you embrace the fact that it's not, it, it doesn't show anything necessarily on you by losing a game of airsoft. It's not you directly losing. It's just us all out there playing a game, and you are consistently bringing back a positive attitude to a sport where someone has to win and someone has to lose. There's no ties in airsoft. There's no whatever. And you are giving the guys someone to follow, knowing that you're, it doesn't matter if you're so far behind or so far ahead, you're going to be the same consistent leader on, and that's why people keep coming back and playing for you. I, I mean, I always try hard to make sure we win. Haven't succeeded so far, but for me, like losing isn't like it's not the end of the world. I don't worry about it too much. What would worry me is if people were saying, "Hey, I had a shitty time," mm-hmm. right? Or I didn't like playing for you. That would bother me. Yeah, and that's not what's happening, right? People are coming back again and again. So well, and daybreak might be your chance. Uh, you, you have quite a bit of experience out with Sega now, don't you? Quite a few games there. It was. I've, I've been a couple times, yeah. A couple times. Uh, don't give away our secret route that we use for sniping. No. <laughs> but uh, anyways, buddy, glad to have you on. I will be talking to you again in the future. Uh, and anybody listening, make sure to follow these links. Follow 
all the instructions you learned here today. And if for some reason you have any problems finding any links, feel free to message both message both of us uh, and also just ask questions. I'm sure if you go out of your way to ask me questions, I will refer you to someone else for the most part. Uh, I am not one of those people that will try and tell you information just because I've heard I will send you to the person that I heard it from. So thank you guys and, and everyone have a great fucking day.